Says Father Blunt, the signs of Christ's presence with his church are shown by the scriptures of today as a continuation of the truth enunciated on the second Sunday of Advent that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Let us consider the kingdom as a means of anticipating and preparing for the incarnation. In our case, of course, the celebration of the incarnation, what we know as Christmas. Other than on Rose Sunday, today, Advent takes the color of royalty in our altar hangings and in our vestments. We wait for and anticipate the incarnation not just of anyone, but of the coming king. The reason we have rose as the color for today is also anticipation. The anticipation of the joy of the new king and the joy he will bring to the world and the joy he brings to our lives as a church and as individuals. And rose is generally considered symbolic for joy. Thus, we have a rose candle, the third candle of the Advent wreath lit today. And if a parish has them, the rose vestments are used on this day. The official name of this day is Gaudete, or Gaudete, which is it? Sorry? Oh, thank you. So, Gaudete Sunday, taken from Philippians chapter 4, which gives us our introit for today, starting with Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. It is popularly also known as a slight lessening in the Advent fast. Yes, in the West, the Advent fast has gone the way of the dodo bird, uh, but many people still keep it, um, at least in some measure. And as you know, I encourage you to think of something to fast for during, fast from during Advent. Our mother, the church, sets a rigorous discipline for her children but she also realizes the weakness of those same children and uses the reminder of joy this week as an opportunity to lighten that discipline just a bit. So if you're fasting from sugar, perhaps have a piece of candy this week. Um, if you're fasting from meat, perhaps you have um, a small bit of meat this week. If you're fasting from chocolate, you're sad like you can't have any. No. Back to the kingdom as a means of anticipating and preparing for the incarnation. The color purple is a royal color. We wait for and anticipate the incarnation of our coming king. St. John Baptist's disciples, so these are the guys that hung out with John Baptist, they come to Jesus in our gospel lesson today and they ask him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Perhaps, speculation, perhaps John was a bit confused about what all this, what this all was supposed to look like. We don't know for sure why John sent his disciples to ask Jesus this question, but many have surmised that he was getting a bit concerned that this Jesus, his cousin, was not looking sufficiently like the Messiah they had all hoped for, says one commentator. Jesus wasn't thinking of his of himself in terms of Elijah calling down fire from heaven. He was thinking of the great prophecies of what would happen when Israel was not so much judged and condemned, but restored after judgment. 
Exile would be over. The blind and the lame would be healed. God's people would be set free at last. Father Blunt notes that there was no outward show to signify the infinite glory that was dwelling in the lowly born and lowly living man who was in the midst of them. If indeed this was he that was to come, where was the fulfillment of all the well-known prophecies about the majesty of the Messiah? For evidence, Christ did not transfigure his human person before the multitude and exhibit to them an unbearable glory that would be as convincing as the burning bush or the fire of Sinai. Rather, continues Blunt, quoting the parallel passage from St. Luke, that very hour he cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave them sight. What does Jesus say to John's disciples? Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. This sounds very much like the great prophecies of what would happen when Israel was restored after judgment. Like our Old Testament lesson today, today from Isaiah 35. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And what does the fullness of that kingdom look like? Again, from our Old Testament lesson. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Sion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the message of the king and the kingdom that John was announcing. This is also, of course, related to Rose Sunday and Gaudete. Rejoice. This is the kingdom that we are now to, to be and are indeed a part of. This is the kingdom that needed a king to inaugurate it. And that king is the one who became human for us in a manger in Bethlehem so long ago. I think very often that we are looking for the amazing transfiguration of Christ. Either to see God so clearly as the closest disciples did at Christ's actual transfiguration. Or to see ourselves miraculously transfigured that we cannot but know that it is God at work in us. We want to be amazed. We want to be electrified. We want so often just to be sure and not to have any doubts. So to the Jews of Jesus' day, they wanted to be sure and have no doubts, and that surety looked very much different from what Christ was offering. He wasn't what they were looking for. Thus, Jesus says in our gospel, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Many were offended, perhaps even John Baptist, because he wasn't looking enough like the expected Messiah. He wasn't fulfilling the Elijah-like expectations of throwing off the yoke of Rome with all of its pagan ways. Sometimes we too are offended because Jesus 
does not answer our expectations. We expect him to make our lives what we've always desired. He, however, expects us to desire our lives to be what he wants them to be. That's a very different thing. So remember that the kingdom is the business that we are to be about. The kingdom of Christ is that for which he came to earth to begin. The kingdom of Christ is about bringing in the redemption of the world. And that means bringing in to this place our neighbors, our friends, our acquaintances, our workmates. And the kingdom of Christ is the means by which Christ is bringing together his redeemed and healing them. Father Blunt. It is in his work of healing that the Savior manifests his continued presence with his church. As he sent forth his agents then to carry on his work in the person of the apostles, so does he send forth the ministers and stewards of his mysteries now. The one and the other both act by his authority, are endowed with his power, and do his work. As his ministers, they have in past generations opened the eyes of the spiritually blind, healed spiritual infirmities by the ministration of their master's grace, and made life-giving streams of sacramental power to spring up in the wilderness and deserts of the world. As therefore the divine power that gave evidence of the divine presence to those who were sent to ask, Art thou he that should come? So the divine power still gives evidence that the promise is fulfilled. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. The hearts of the disobedient are turned to the wisdom of the just. The children of men are made the children of God. Souls are absolved by the word of our God and Savior pronounced at his bidding and by his agents. Living stones are being continually built up into the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is the mystical body of Christ. And in all these ways, the perpetual presence of him that should come is manifested with as convincing an evidence as if our eyes beheld him reigning on a visible throne of glory. Amen.